What's up, everybody? Welcome to the newest edition of the Minorities Report. As always, I'm your host, the head minority in charge, Gus. Along with me, as usual, is my biracial consigliere, J. Shell. Yeah, baby. Who's the sex between? Who's the, who's the private dick with the sex between all the chicks? Yep. Yeah, I just had to Damn start out with some uh, right. some wah wah guitar and a wah 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 guitar and um in tribute to another fallen uh, another icon who passed away, uh, Richard Roundtree. Richard Roundtree, Shaft aka Shaft, himself. John Shaft. Uh, he passed away at the age of eighty one to a cancer. Again, fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. But he lived a great life though. Like he was an icon. Yeah. Um, inspired many a folk um, in the black community, and uh, he will be missed, you know. But you know, he uh, at least he'll be uh, he'll be um, reunited with Isaac Hayes, and I, I feel like when the pearly gates open, that's when his theme song started playing, and the first one to greet him is Mr. Isaac Hayes, who is the man yeah, who reaches back for his brother's man shaft. No, damn no, right. right. I it? mean, Isaac Hayes unfortunately left a bad taste in everybody's mouth before he passed. So, you know. Well, all about the whole, the whole like Scientology, Scientology thing. Yeah, he got butt hurt because South Park. They can make fun of everything else, but don't make fun of my Scientology. Kind of reminds me of Chris Rock. Well, you know, it's uh, you know, Chris Rock's uncle. Fuck oh, yeah. all these white people, except for my Susie. Well, a quick side <laughs> note, actually, it turned out that was like actually pretty debunked. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I heard that. Shocker! Scientology forced him to like leave the show and everything. The hell you say? I know. Oh wow! Wait, yeah. they are controlling his life? That never happens. No, Leah Remini was wrong. Right? <laughs> Shelly Miskovich <laughs> is alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but don't forget, um, Richard Roundtree was also in Roots. He was in Roots. Yeah. He wasn't. But who wasn't in Roots in the seventies uh, black community mm-hmm. in the acting community? Pretty much everybody. I mean, hell, OJ was in there. You know. Yes, he was. Pro, you know, pre, you know, Bronco OJ. So <laughs> <laughs> pre allegedly murdering white people. Right. Uh, I love the fact that he wrote a book called "If I Did It." Oh yeah, that doesn't incriminate uh, you at all. Uh, no. And uh, you know what's the best part? Ronald mm-hmm. Goldman's family. Or yeah. No, no, Ronald Goldman, which is the dad. No, no, that's right. Fred Goldman. Fred Goldman. Yeah. He got the rights to the book because if you are convicted or if you're charged with a crime, you can't profit off of said crime. Well, yeah. So in the lawsuit, he gained anything and everything that OJ earned. Yeah. So he got the rights to the book. So when they released it, the cover said, mm-hmm. I did it. And if was really small inside right. of one of the letters. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow, way to go, shade. Well, dude, well, OJ was never a smart man to begin with. It's like, hey, they want to cut, uh, bring you into the uh, precinct for questioning about the murder of your ex-wife and her friend. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna have my, you know, my hanger on, uh, you know, drive me, a, you know, have me escape from the police yeah. with some money and a disguise. Oh, <laughs> real quick, uh, a fun fact and a little bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess what role OJ was up for. Oh, Terminator. And yes, he was. Yeah. And they said that he wasn't murdery enough. He didn't look like he could kill anyone. Wow. <laughs> they should have asked uh, Nicole. <laughs> but anyway. But anyway. Anyway, um, I remember his Avis car commercials. Those were funny too. Right. Anyway, anyway, but anyway Richard but, Roundtree passed away. Yeah. And uh, as you know, uh, Richard Roundtree was one of the definite icons of not just cinema, but black exploitation, a.k.a. soul cinema. Yeah. And See, so I had a debate with somebody the other day because they were talking about how black exploitation is now, it, it could be, it could be termed like, 
uh, derogatory. I said, absolutely not. I mm-hmm. said, because they took it and they owned it. Yeah. Because of the fact that in the 70s, uh, they took back, because it, it, it just came out of the civil rights movement. It, and, it was, yeah. yeah. It was like birth from the Black Power movement. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll we'll get into that like a little bit and everything, but you know you are right. It, it black exploitation was a cinema of rebellion. Yeah, you know it was definitely created as a counter counterculture to white Hollywood. Absolutely, I mean yeah. it influenced guys like Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. They to this day they're still influenced by the black exploitation movies of the seventies. Yeah, uh, John Singleton, Anton Fuqua, the Hughes brothers. Yep. Um, so um we would you know, have i don't think we would have had a uh sammy jackson without and half of the characters he plays with oh, no. uh, black exploitation films we wouldn't have spike lee we wouldn't have um uh what do you call it? all the f- uh, filmmakers that i mentioned everything yeah. hip-hop hell anime comic books the uh, that genre has done so much for pop culture yeah than even holly you know white hollywood has. and even today when they try to do some parody movies of them they mm-hmm. still fucking cool oh yeah uh like what was the one with uh michael ja white oh uh it was got black dynamite that black dynamite, black dynamite is so dope yeah uh you know in michael J. white his if you look at his filmography like there is like um the spirit of uh black exploitation like blood and bone falcon rising um i loved him in dark knight returns yeah <laughs> he was and, great in that right uh oh his newest uh his newest movie his uh western um outlaw johnny black that is totally inspired by the Western subgenre of black exploitation. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know what was funny that Shaft became like uh, almost like uh, uh, the what do you call it the, the uh, Road to movies because then they had Shaft yeah. goes to Africa. Yep, <laughs> uh, Shaft's big score. Uh, but no, like Shaft was pretty much like the introduction to a lot of people to black exploitation. Yes. But yeah, but we have to take it even um, before Shaft. Uh, we have to actually start with like the um, the character that planted the seeds for black exploitation, and right. that is uh, Mr. Tibbs from the Heat of the Night. They call me, me Mr. Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so Mr. Tibbs um, played by uh, C.D. Poitier and everything. Yeah. But yeah, so um, his character was pretty much like black exploitation before it became an actual thing. It, it kind of was. Yeah. Also, his uh, role that he played in. Uh, Guess who's coming to dinner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another one. Yeah, uh, but I mean, he was an icon. I mean, let's face facts. Yeah, there, uh, there were. He was the very. He was the first uh, African American or first black mm-hmm. to win an Oscar. So that was a absolutely. Huge, well, no, well, he wasn't the first one nominated though. I think that was the woman from Gone with the Wind. Oh, um, Hattie Davis. Yeah. Oh no, Hattie McDaniel's. Hattie yeah. McDaniel's. I don't know but, nothing yeah. about birth and no but, babies. But yeah, but um, with uh, Mr. Tibbs and everything, there was a sequel. Uh, called They Call Me Mr. Tips to The Heat yeah. of the Night. And so that one um, was a different type of uh, vibe and different type of like um, feel to it. Did you watch the TV show In the Heat of the Night? That was I, actually really good. I remember that one, yeah. It was with uh, Car- Carol O'Connor. Carol O'Connor yeah. played the sheriff yeah. in that one. But yeah, but Mr. Tibbs was like a definite, like he definitely planted the seeds of black exploitation because he was um, an intelligent, strong character. Well, he was also was, a lead character. Because, he was also a lead yeah. character, but also he was defiant against, you know, bigotry you know right. when uh the i forgot the name of the character but the uh when the white police captain his foil slapped him and then mr tibbs slapped him right back 
Yeah. There's like, they ain't, this ain't going to be that type of movie, man. Like, no. he ain't going to be the type of nigga that you fuck with. You know what <laughs> well, I'm saying? Well, here's my thing with the uh, black exploitation movies. It mm-hmm. was not only them taking it back, but at the time, mm-hmm. there were, like, unlike uh, a Sidney Poitier, which is a rarity, mm-hmm. there, there were no lead uh, black actors in movies or characters even oh, yeah. and his in uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner mm-hmm. technically he wasn't even the lead on that because it was an ensemble Yeah, and I forget who played the dad but he was the bigger movie star at the time which is funny um, because now because when we think of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner we think, think Sidney Poitier, Poitier. Yeah. Yeah. And, no. and the same thing with his uh, In the Heat of the Night mm-hmm. you know they had him in a pretty much all white cast except for him Yeah. so black exploitation was uh, a movement too to take back mm-hmm. uh, or not to take back to build on it was, the black community and let them have their own movies it was know? it was definitely definitely um, them to give an opportunity for uh, black artists to yeah. actually have an opportunity because you know Hollywood never gave black artists like a real shot like they would have to right. play like slaves maids butlers they always have to play second fiddle to the um, main white actors right you know and Honestly, like like I said, it was a, a genre of rebellion because it got to the point where it's like, you know what, we're not going to play Hollywood's game. Hollywood's right. going to play our game, well, you know. And the thing is, we have black exploitation movies. Like, mm-hmm. it started about 1969 and 1970. They were pumping out movies. It was like Bollywood style. Oh yeah. They were they were doing guerrilla filming, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you're familiar with guerrilla filming. Of is course. Where, is when they yeah. they don't get any permits or anything like that. They no, just hurry they up, just, film, and get the fuck out of there. They before just go the out there and up. film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like, and like I said, it came with the rebellion. Yeah. It was almost like I, I saw like um, it was basically like the uh, underground railroad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they had like a short amount of time and there was so much like, you know, um, consequences that they were caught. Right. So, yeah. But um, but so we have to uh, start out with like, you know, we talk about Mr. Tibbs and everything, how that planned to see. So mm-hmm. now we're going to talk about the movie that created the revolution. Well, before, and that, before we get into that, mm-hmm. um, just wanted to give everybody a bit of history on that. It was in the early 1970s shows here that Junis Griffin, the president of the Beverly Hills chapter of the NC. Double A. Who knew there was a Beverly Hills chapter of the NCAA? Right. Uh, he's he's sometimes credited for inventing mm-hmm. the black exploitation to describe a short-lived genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, another person who has a lot of credit and one of the very first big films, and you know who this is, mm-hmm. uh, Melvin Van Peebles. That was actually uh, what I was gonna bring sweet, up. Actually. Sweet, sweet. Sweet Sweetback's badass song. So actually, that's the movie I was actually about to bring yeah. up and everything. So oh, okay. yeah. So uh, but yeah. So this was the um, de- uh, directorial debut of Melvin Van Melvin Van Peebles. Right. So that if that last name sounds familiar, it's because he's the father of Mario Van Peebles, another great black actor, director, uh, filmmaker. And so this was like the ultimate gorilla film. Yeah, um, Mario's got a new movie coming out. He does, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so Melvin, uh, pretty much, he had to. He wrote, directed, produced, starred in, edited music. Oh, also got the help of uh, the iconic punk band Earth, Wind, and Fire to do the music. And so, the, no studio would finance this film, and so he had to fund it himself. This right. was like the ultimate. DIY film like before Robert Rodriguez with El Mariachi yeah this was it and so he performed all of his own stunts and so and it was also a risque movie because he appeared in several sex scenes because his um his character was a, a sex worker um, that, you know, yeah that's right yeah he was a performer in like live sex shows and everything 
And some of them were unsimulated. Well, it's it's what they like to call art house films. Right. Absolutely. And porn, motherfucker. It, it was. <laughs> but uh, it was art porn. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, so... We got to do an episode on all that, too. The 70s art house films. Like oh. Behind the Green Door and The Devil and Miss Jones. Oh, absolutely. Mrs. Jones. Right, right. Yeah. But no, but yeah. So, and the movie, like, you know, the plot was that, you know, he played a... Um, a uh, you know a sex worker like I stated mm-hmm. who is um, framed for a crime that he did not commit and he's on the run and so he gets assistance from like pretty much like the underground like all these folks are helping him out and everything right and so this was definitely you know ahead of its time when it was talking about police brutality and racial bias against the black community and so um, this was like the most revolutionary film of all time it it started a lot of conversations it created a genre like this this movie is pretty much like i mean it's uh i believe it actually is in the um what do you call it actually it is in the united states national film registry uh by the library of congress for being culturally historically uh, aesthetically significant right well it's one of the very first films that had a mostly uh, black, black cast, cast. Yeah. so yeah i would see so i would say so and i think it was one of the very first written and directed by a black uh well a black actor mm-hmm. or a black director slash actor slash writer slash producer yeah yeah well you know spike lee he once said about the film is that it gave us all the answers we needed this was an example on how to make a film a real movie distribute it yourself and most importantly get paid yeah that was the part that uh, what spike said and everything get paid because a lot of black artists were fucked over by the Hollywood system. Oh, absolutely. Just yeah. like now the actors are still getting fucked over. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, women had to struggle too, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, even till today, female lead actresses in movies get paid probably uh, two-thirds or a third yeah. of what male lead actors do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, like uh, this movie, like, you know, um, but 50 years later, right. it's still um, culturally relevant. Absolutely. And his um, and Mario, actually, in 2004, he actually um, made a film based on the making of, of um, Sweetback. Sweet, 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 sweet sweet it was just it was just it was, yeah. it was just simply called Badass. So he played his father, Melvin. Mm-hmm. And it was um, basically it was all about like how this movie was um being made like how he had what he needed to do to get try to get distribution support for the film and all that yeah and so you know and i have to imagine like you know what was it like for mario to make that type of film because this is a movie that pretty much um you know helped put his family on the map and um not only that his family on the map but created like a whole genre that gave so many black artists the yeah. opportunity well it's funny because then you'll get some people be like oh well, that's black exploitation you don't hear any white exploitation it's like yeah it's called hollywood right <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's it, it, i mean to this day uh most of the films you see are uh, lead uh white actors you know mm-hmm. and my biggest pet peeve and just a side note is that even when it's a latino Mm-hmm. lead actor a lot of the times they're playing a person of non-latino background yeah it's like uh hello we're people too right it's a very few and far between that you see and normally if it is it's written directed 
and self-produced or produced by all uh, Latinos. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. You know, but, and it's, a, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's something that they, they wanted to take back. And it was, like I said, it was almost Bollywood style because mm-hmm. they didn't know how long that the genre or the allowance, I guess, of these films were. So they just started pumping them out. You yeah. Know? In the time period, that it, it, black exploitation era, mm-hmm. it, it only significant, it only really hardcore during like five or six years from like 69 to like 75 yeah uh, there were still some made after that but that was like the, the that was like the boom. downturn yeah but i'm saying the big yeah. boom was during those years and they mm. pumped out 200 movies in like six years that's and a lot were, of movies and there were all sequels actually like yeah. you know blackula return to uh you know revenge of blackula Dude, i loved yeah. blackula blackula was I dope fucking, i saw blackula back in the 70s yes i'm that old mm. uh and it was fucking great actually uh, yeah actually yeah. you know what actually now you bring up a good point i was like i want to know like you know what was like your first exposure to black exploitation? It was black. It was black. It was black. Yeah. That was uh-huh. the first one, and that was actually one of the very first black exploitation movies that they played on network television. Like, mm. uh, well, it was not lit network; it was syndicated television. But still, it was one of the first ones because I didn't watch it in the theater. I watched it on TV. Mm-hmm. I thought this was fucking cool, man. I was mm-hmm. like, hell yeah! Mm-hmm. And, and it's the the. It's cheesy, but yeah. it's because of the time it was made and mm. the budgets they were made on. But yeah. they were so they were just really good. Then after that, I think the second one was um oh god, uh, Ten Speed and Gumshoe. Oh yeah, with yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a young Larry Fishburne. Oh, dude, that motherfucker's been around forever. Mm-hmm. I, I saw a video of him recently. You know, he got the part in uh, Apocalypse Now by lying. Oh yeah, he lied about his age. He lied about his age. Yeah, he told it that he was sixteen, but he was actually Mm fourteen when he auditioned for it. He was the oldest looking fourteen year old because I look at him, I thought I thought he was in his early twenties. And he said he only got it because the secretary came in to give the note to the director Mm because he he was like, "Well, how old are you? Sixteen. What grade are you in?" Mm -hmm. He was like, "Uh, "Junior." No, I mean sophomore. So when the secretary walked in, the director goes, "Hey, let me ask you, does this kid look like he could play 16? She goes. I say he could play 18 and walked out. <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> and she, he goes, and that's why he got the part, because he never would have. Wow. But anyway, with that note, mm. we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Thank y'all for hanging out, yo. <laughs> it's the realest word on the street is we talking about black exploitation films. Suki, 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 suki. Now, oh yeah. So yeah, so we were talking about um, you know our introduction to the black exploitation genre. Um, so I actually have uh, basically two introductions. Oh yeah. Okay, so uh, first one was I'm gonna get you sucker. Oh, I thought it would have been Pootie Tang. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're gonna get into that actually. Uh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Get up in that Pootie Tang. But no. Um, but yeah. So um, I'm gonna get you sucker. One of the common classics, directed, written, directed by Keen Ivory Wayans of the Wayans family. Uh, I and think this, he wrote it too. He did. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, that was a parody of black exploitation movies. Came out in 1988. I, w- I, I think it was more like an homage. It was, com- it was a, a comedic homage. To well, them. a parody doesn't exactly mean like you know make it fun. Oh, no, it no, could no, also yeah. mean homage and everything. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so, but yeah. Now, when I first saw that movie, I was a toddler. Right. And so the concept of black exploitation wasn't. Of course, it wasn't 
you know, known to me. Right. You know, I just thought, this is a funny movie. That guy has an awesome big gun. And oh, look how big his toe got when he yeah. was in those damn small shoes. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, but as far as like the concept, as far as me like actually learning about it was actually an episode of Martin. So there's this, um, it was like season three. And the story was, is that um, there was a uh, old, like, you know, an over, owner of a theater that Martin and his crew used to go to a lot as kids. Right. That showed all, like, you know, the black exploitation movies uh, was in danger of closing down. Right. And so to help raise funds to keep it open, Martin uh, organized a player's ball. And so yeah, a player's ball. A player's ball, yeah. And so this was almost like the end the Avengers Endgame of Black Exploitation. What, was, you what had, was that uh Martin had that that pimp character? What was his name? Oh Jerome. Jerome. Now Jerome was a actually major <laughs> focus of this episode. Yeah. So they are but yeah, so the players ball was like, you know, they all come, you know, to Nipsey's, like, right. you know, the bar, their hangout and everything. They were dressed in, like, you know, in their 70s clothing. And so, like I said, like, this was, like, the end game of uh, Black Exploitation. Yeah. Because you had guest stars like Pam Greer, uh, Walona from Good Times, Rudy Ray Moore, um, uh, Dick Johnson. Um, <laughs> Coo- yeah. I don't know why yeah. that name's funny. Right. Uh, Coolio made an appearance. Oh, and... Outcast before you know they became big and right, everything right, right. when they were first starting out because they had that one jam back in '94 players ball. Yeah, you know it's funny. He he's always kind of looked like a black exploitation character to me. Uh, mm. what's his name? Andre three thousand. Oh yeah, even his name. Well, his well, they're pretty much their whole vibe was black exploitation. Yeah. Well, like their whole song players ball. Yeah, and everything. that yeah. one and even Miss Jackson kind of looked like it could have been on a shit. You could have made a black exploitation film called Miss Jackson. Oh yeah, a coming yeah. of age one. Sorry, oh, yeah. Miss Jackson. Jackson? I am for real. He always had that that black exploitation vibe too. Yeah. Andre, oh, especially well, Big Boy. He was you know? he was influenced a lot by funk. So, yeah, you know, so you yeah. could so tell in his music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we're about to get in the, in the music part too, isn't everything? Yeah. But yeah, so I'm watching this episode, and this like introduced me to the genre of black exploitation. You see right. all these stars, the you know the pimp clothes, the style, and all that. Now, this was during the time when this episode aired. This was like during the time when. Um, I was starting to get enamored with 70s culture. Right. You know, as I mentioned in a earlier episode, um, in the mid-90s, like, I was all about the 70s, like, learning about it. I would ask my dad about the 70s, my mom, even some teachers um, in elementary school and everything. And so, um, and of course, um, Fresh Prince. Right. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, because Will was a huge fan of Shaft. And so, that was my introduction to Shaft. And now, so um, back in like summer of 95, um, I was staying at my dad's house for the summer and we just got cable. Mm-hmm. And so I remember watching AMC for the first time and they had a set of black exploitation soul cinema marathon. Shut up. Swear to God. AMC did? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. So they showed Shaft, Superfly, uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem, um, Fox, what was it called? Um, Foxy Brown, just right. so many awesome movies. So like I was being educated Foxy that day and everything. Uh, but yeah, so that those yeah, so that was pretty much like my introduction to the to the genre, and um, it, like you know, it still like you know resonates like you know to this day and everything. Right. Because you mentioned um, uh, Pootie Tang yep. earlier and everything. Well, there was also um, it's been influenced. 
and kind of like if everybody wants to, and you probably were uh, exposed to this, and they mm -hmm. probably brought about some ideas too. Is uh, I would consider it almost like a modern day black exploitation film was uh, mm -hmm. Harlem Nights. Oh yeah, it totally was. Which to me, top ten. Bro. Dude, Harlem Nights is so underrated. <laughs> but yeah, it was a yeah. uh, it was a um, modern take modern on, take on black exploitation. Bro, my the funniest part to me was the par with Arsenio Hall mm -hmm. where they're shooting Tommy guns because they just killed his brother Tommy played by Tommy always he plays Tommy for some reason oh I told uh, Martin oh yeah, Thomas and uh, Mickle yeah, yeah yeah so they're shooting up the store with uh with uh Eddie Murphy inside uh I forgot his team was kid mm -hmm. and they're shooting up and then the one guy's got a revolver goes pow, pow. yeah and they, sh they shoot up again he goes pow, pow. And he looks at me and goes, what you do with that little ass gun? <laughs> you know, that was one of the funniest parts to me. You know, honestly, straight up, like, post-70s black exploitation films were just straight up awesome. Yeah, you know you, what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like Pootie Tang. Pootie uh, Tang. What was the one uh, with, with, uh, with what's his face? Um, God damn it, why can't I remember his name? Eddie Griffin? Yeah, Eddie Griffin. Oh, oh Undercover Brother. Undercover yeah, that was, Brother. That was another parody yeah. slash homage yeah, and that everything. Was, that was, that I, dude, they should have done sequels. I think it could have been, like, the Austin Powers they, for black folk. Well, uh, Pootie Tang pretty much was Austin Tang was basically um, it was the black Austin Powers because yeah. there were so many parallels with that character you have a character who is unconventional looking but yeah. gets all the ladies yeah. has his own like type no, of language right. and yeah, everything exactly yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but going back to the origins of it then, mm -hmm. yeah so a lot of the movies that came up at that time mm -hmm. uh, mostly black cast but a lot of the, a lot of the characters and it were well-known actors from other genres mm -hmm. like uh fred williamson was in like uh i guess you can say mainstream hollywood movies like inglorious mm -hmm. bastards yes mm -hmm. quentin tarantino did not make the first inglorious bastards nope. the very first inglorious bastards was back i think it was in the late 60s or early 70s yeah, yeah but it was a yeah but it was a similar concept but it was a more eclectic cast mm -hmm. you could say yeah it was, kind of, it was kind of like the wild bunch yeah but one of my favorite ones that i've seen too was called hell up in harlem yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it actually came out the same year i was born oh wow yeah but anyway yeah. you were saying about you were saying something about the uh so the 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 episode of martin influenced you and then what was the first movie you actually saw that was a black exploitation film it was definitely shaft Absolutely. Shaft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ash Shaft. And, um, oh, Blackula was part of that lineup, too. Dude, Blackula. See, you know, what I loved about um, Black Exploitation was that yeah. it um, it was such a versatile genre. Right. You had, like, all these cool subgenres with it. So, yeah, of course, you had, like, you know, the crime, the street, um, Black Exploitation films. But you had the Westerns. Now, the Westerns, I was really, like, you know, fascinated because that was their way of, like, striking back at, like, Westerns that always depict the slaves. Right. And them as slaves and everything. But it was also to, like, strike back against the oppressors during that time. So, you know, one of them was, um, uh, what was it called? The Legend of a Nigga Charlie, you know? Yeah. And uh, there you was... You couldn't get away with naming a movie that now. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> but uh, but um, as well as, like, horror. Like, you know, remember when we had that uh, that episode about, like, you know, um, what's-his-face? Hmm. Tim Burton yes. saying that black pe people and... And like goth, uh, goth subculture. Yeah, black scabby goth. Yeah, yeah. like uh, <laughs> like black people and goth and gothic subculture do not mix, yeah. which is total bullshit. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, dude, just like there, there's there's black people who love anime. Yeah, black people who love comic. I mean, come on, man, it's not a thing about black or white. Yeah, it's, it's just about being who you are. Well, you know? Tim Burns also an ignorant motherfucker, but uh, I digress. I mean, you know, but uh, but there was the um, the horror subgenre of black exploitation, like we mentioned, Blackula. You, you said horror, right? Horror, oh, yeah. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> what's it called? Black Frankenstein. There was a Black Frankenstein. There was See, that yeah. one. I did not know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one I did not see. Know. Uh, but yeah, Black Exploitation. Like you know, it was wanting to give a lot of like you know, um, um, African Americans like an opportunity to see uh, movies um, right. of like other genres that they were, that was always dominated by white people. Because so you know, you have black people that were like really into horror movies, monsters, and all that. So Black Exploitation um, provided that for them. Right. You had black people that were into westerns. Um, Black Exploitation provided that. Oh, martial arts? Oh, definitely. So we have to talk about Jim Kelly. Oh, yeah. Jim Kelly, um, another best icon. Known, best known for Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon, yeah. yeah. So after uh, Enter the Dragon um, was a success, and you know he got a lot of like um, you know attention from that because right. he was one of the best things about like Enter the Dragon, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so he uh, had a really great career in Black Exploitation. And so he did a movie called like a um, Black Belt Jones. That was his uh, basically his um, his uh, Enter the Dragon, right. where he played a, a martial arts expert fighting against the man. And that was actually a great thing about Black Exploitation that the reoccurring antagonist in all the movies is the man. Right. And you know who the man is. <laughs> and that was like, yeah, he's the man. Right. And yeah. uh, so, um, but yeah, so actually, it's seen as a spiritual successor to yep. Enter the Dragon because it was the same director. Um, Robert Klaus Mm. and so but yeah so um, and I I felt that that helped create like you know the bond between martial arts and the black community right because you know like you know we talked about like you know the uh, the chop sake films in the grindhouse which was like a staple of you know black neighborhoods and everything well you know what was a big film uh, now that you said about Jim Kelly one of the biggest Mm -hmm. films he did was called uh, the Three the Hard Way. Yes, with, with uh, Jim with Jim Brown and Fred Williamson. Yeah, now you want to talk about the icons of black exploitation films? That's right there, right there. See, that's, that was like that's like the I, top three. I see, I see that as like the Spider Verse yeah. of black exploitation <laughs> yeah. because you had, um, you know, you had like, these three badasses, like these icons, like they're role models right. teaming up and fighting, you know, fighting uh, crime and everything. And um, I had the honor of meeting two of the cast members. Um, I met Jim Kelly. Yeah. At San Diego Comic Con years yeah, ago, then we, then we and met, then we met Fred we the met Hammer Fred Williamson. Williamson. Yeah. Remember that he gave us a signed copy of Inglorious Bastards. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so, um, um, real quick, going mm-hmm. back to the uh, the the one you were saying starring Fred Williamson. Mm-hmm. Do you know that movie was PG? Which was weird. I yeah, would have thought it Western was R. Made, yeah, the, the Western you said he made. Yeah, yeah. It was it was rated PG. But then again, the rating system was pretty Way lax. Different. Back I mean, then. come on. Yeah. Like you know, there have been movies that would like get away with full frontal nudity and well, would get the PG thirteen. Yeah. Well, these movies also were limited run in certain theaters. They weren't right. like. Uh, they weren't like what they would call Hollywood blockbusters, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, that's that's the difference too. Absolutely, yeah. But no, but uh, but yeah. And I still hope to meet Jim Brown. No, wait, he passed no, away. He passed. Never mind. Never yeah. mind. Maybe one day you will. Yeah, uh, years. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what another big movie for the time too was, uh, and probably was one of the ones at the tail end of the black exploitation. Now, not that black exploitation went away, mm-hmm. but they started to be uh, they started to meld into more mainstream Hollywood mm-hmm. because Hollywood took notice and went, oh shit, we can make money off this. Yeah. Wait a so once they noticed they could make money off of it, they of course they wanted to get into that business. Oh, absolutely. They, Hollywood does that shit all the time. Right. But like I said, one of the ones on the tail end, and I think it's one of the m- probably what best known or most well known mm-hmm. is Cooley High. Oh, Cooley High. Cooley High. Is, yeah. yeah. It, and it's actually the movie that gave what's happening to us. 
Oh, that's uh, right. It was actually inspired. Yes. Yeah. Was, well, they, they, the TV network executives considered it a quote-unquote mm-hmm. adaptation. Right. Well, and yeah. also Hollywood looked at it as safe. Yeah, you know, as you know, not threatening black folk and everything. Oh yeah, exactly. But uh, but no, Cooley High is a um, is a classic, and also it was a really um, nice change of pace in the black exploitation genre as a coming of age drama. Right. Like um, like so like there was no like you know um, like you know like about you know pimps, drug dealers, and all of that and everything. It was basically Boys in the Hood before Boys in the Hood. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because and you know what's the one thing that a lot of people don't realize about the black exploitation movies as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, they took back a lot of the derogatory terms that we use towards them. Oh yeah. I.e. coolie. Right. Right. Because uh, a, a coolie was considered to be a derogatory term towards yeah. like uh, towards Asians and towards blacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they took it as a. Uh, as uh, Dante, like no, no, as Randall likes to say, they mm. took it back. Right. No, and of course they took back the word nigger and yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was like one of the rebellious spirits about a black police, uh, black exploitation. Right. And it was there was a double edged sword to that because you know as we stated, like you know a lot of black exploitation films like feature like you know pimps, drug dealers, yeah, a lot and of the everything. That's what they were. Yeah, a lot of like you know you know stereotypes and everything. Right. And so I mean the NAACP and other folks said like you know. Black exploitation is like you know perpetrating stereotypes. They kind of leaned in hard into the uh, stereotypes. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's a gray area though. Any black yeah. and white, no pun intended, because they did feature this. They did glorify them, but at the same time, that's what's going on in the hood. That's exactly what was going on. Yeah. They were just showing what was up. It's just like how um, hip hop gets a bad rap, no pun intended, um, <laughs> to like you know, um, especially like a gangster rap and everything. Yeah. They were just showing what was going on. And also, they, yep. a lot of the detractors missed the nuance of these movies. Like, right. It's like, okay, you have like these like, characters and everything, but they are suffering the consequences of their actions. Oh, exactly, there, yeah. there are lessons to be learned, like Superfly. Superfly is another classic one that we have to mention, yep. and it's about like you know a um, drug dealer named Young Blood Priest. Um, they were supposed to go straight. And he was also going to play the white man's game of capitalism. The white man's game. Oh, yeah. And that was another thing that made Superfly great. was like, you know, it, it showed another way to, like, fight back against right. the oppressors by beating them at their own game. It was played by uh, Ron O'Neill, uh, directed by Gordon Parks. But but that movie, it was kind of like the Scarface of black exploitation before, you know, Scarface happened. Right. Um, the Al Pacino one, I mean. Um and so, but yeah, so like, you know, black exploitation uh, filmmakers and everything, they're aware. Like, you know, they, there's no half assing when it comes to um, their ain't, storytelling. Ain't no half stepping. Exactly. Like as the, uh, as the legendary, like, um, uh, Big Daddy Kane used to say. Yeah. But yeah. You can't and, half step, bro. Right, absolutely. But, um, but yeah, so, and of course, we have to mention one of the uh, classics Dolomite. Dolomite. Dolomite, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, like all like these like uh, great titles and everything. See, Dolomite was like an interesting one as well. Like it was a um, pretty much like a vanity project right? Uh, for Rudy Ray Moore. And um, it, it, was so <laughs> it, it was so bad, but in a good way. Right. You know, like because like it was always it was just Rudy Ray Moore's like um, film debut. 
And looking at it now, like it was total cheese and everything. <laughs> it's like, fine, if you won't put me in your movie, I'll just make my own. Right, right. Yeah. And it was almost like a semi-biographical film and everything. Right. But I love the fact that he made his character into a martial artist. He has no martial arts background whatsoever. <laughs> but it, it gave it its charm. Right. And it almost, it, it almost, it was like an unaware parody. You know, was, yeah, that's, yeah, unaware. Yeah. Uh, another thing that actually black exploitation gave, mm -hmm. I, I believe, in my opinion, to mm -hmm. Hollywood was uh, strong female lead characters. I was about to say because that. Yeah. You get, like Foxy Brown, uh, you know, Cleopatra Jones, Cleopatra Jones. Yep. Yeah. These were women who were the leads in the movie, and they were strong uh, female lead that didn't. Uh, they need no man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like honestly, black exploitation was way more progressive than Hollywood claims to be. Yeah. Even back in the day. But no, you are right. It gave a lot of a um, young black women role models. Right. Because you know, um, you know, roles for black actresses. You know, back then, again, slaves, maids, the best friend to the mammies, the mammies. Yeah. So when you get to see Pam Greer, oh, uh, Pam Greer, like <laughs> to this day. Yeah. If you got, I crush if you, on her. If you look at Pam Greer for an hour and a half, I'm right. all right with that. See, that's why I don't blame Will in that episode of Fresh Prince. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Have he, you seen he, your mama naked? He, <laughs> he almost had the graduate moment. Oh, he oh he didn't almost. He oh, did. That's right. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. You ain't going anywhere. Okay. <laughs> she also played a character called Friday Foster. Yeah. yeah with with a young Yafet Koda. Oh yeah, Yafet Koto, like oh yeah, he's another like a uh, black exploitation legend, icon, bro. Legend, yeah. Yafet Koto. I just watched him the other day mm -hmm. in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Four. He oh, I didn't know that. he was in that. Yeah. Oh yeah, he played a uh, a psychiatrist or therapist in it. Uh -huh. But anyway, but yeah, but but, but take, I, let, wait, yeah. wait, before you continue, let's go ahead and take another quick break. We'll be right back. Yeah, we're back. Thank you guys for continuing to hang out with us. Uh, so going back, we're talking about black exploitation films. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not a derogatory term. If you're white, you can use that term. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to give you shit for We're it. It's just permission. a genre of films. Yeah. You know, just like they have slasher films and mm -hmm. all that shit. It's just a genre of films, mm -hmm. you know. And yeah, and we were talking about the um, you know the illustrious Pam Greer, and her she's one of like did you, you know, say the luscious Pam Greer illustrious but luscious as well yeah well yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no like you know, she was like one of like the uh, the leading ladies yeah. of the black exploitation genre because her filmography during that period is just iconic oh, Coffee yeah. Foxy Brown Black Mama White Mama Scream Black Little Scream uh, Sheba Baby. Um, Bucktown, Friday Foster, like she was a force. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, I would also say like um, there was another like a great movie uh, was um, for like you know very empowering for women and everything was Ebony Irene Jade. Now that was a really like um, groundbreaking one because right. like the three leads were not only women but women of different backgrounds. So you had um, the uh, black you know black woman. A uh, the white woman played by Colleen Camp, aka the maid from Yvette, the maid from Clue. Right, and you also had um, Jade, uh, Chrissy Mayuga, um, the Asian um, character. So, in other words, the ones that uh, influenced the daughters of the dragon from Marvel Comics. They did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's oh, exactly and, the lineup. And I'm I'm glad you brought in Marvel Comics because yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk about that about the influences oh, they had and everything. Black exploitation. Yeah, movie. and so um, that movie. Along with many other black exploitation movies, especially Foxy Brown, Coffee, mm -hmm. and Cleopatra Jones, was a favorite 
of uh, Quentin Tarantino. And the um, it actually also inspired the um, the divas, the Deadly Assassination Squad from, oh, from Kill Bill. Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you look, if you look at the if you look at the divas, yeah, it's Ebony and Ivory, yep. Jade, Eb- uh, Ebony, Vivica Fox, yep. Jade, Lucy Liu, Ivory, um, Uma Thurman, and uh, Daryl Hannah. Yep. They, so yeah, they had an extra white girl. That's all. That's yeah. the only difference. Yeah, yeah, they had to boost the whiteness. Shit, I should have been Black Mamba. Right, <laughs> that was great. Oh man, yeah, yeah. but um, but no, yeah, and um, but yeah. So the genre did a lot for not just um, black men, uh, but also black women, but yeah. women in general. Honestly, yeah. Uh, Dude, yeah. I, I just real quick I, on a side note, I just looked mm-hmm. at this. Uh, um, uh, by not bio uh, explanation of a Dolomite movie called mm-hmm. The Human Tornado. Oh, Human Tornado is yeah. a great one. Dolomite flees to California where he helps Queen Bee and her kung fu prostitutes battle mm-hmm. a local gangster. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you you can't make that shit up. Dude. Oh, you oh, know, they, they obviously did. You know, honestly, uh, actually, it's funny you mentioned kung fu prostitutes yeah. because uh, man, man, <laughs> that's not something you thought you'd say today, All right? Uh, man in the iron, man with the iron fist. Yeah, uh, Lucy Liu and his and her brothel. Yeah, were all martial arts trained. Was, wasn't that uh, what's his name? The RZA. The RZA. The RZA. Yeah, and that was yeah. totally like. A homage, not just kung fu movies, but black exploitation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, but you know, the, again, the impact that this genre has made on today's artists, you know, it's yep. immense. You know, and um, but yeah, but now let's uh, let's get uh, get into like the uh, the recent, yep, um, like semi recent recent movies and everything, because because we get we definitely have to talk about like the impact um, black exploitation made on. Um, on modern movies well, and yeah. everything. I mean, we've already mentioned Quentin Tarantino. We can go down that rabbit hole and oh, yeah. uh, we could be there all day because he is, he's a huge, his movies, his huge, his movies were influenced one by the groundhouse, the groundhouse movies of the sixties and seventies, mm-hmm. but also black exploitation films. Oh yeah. I mean, he put Pam Greer in, what was it? Um, oh, uh, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Yeah. I mean, he wrote a whole movie around her. Oh, and that was, that was her, uh, her comeback. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Because, um, her career was like a, on a bit of a downshift. Yep. And so, um, you know, she would, like, make the occasional, like, you know, guest appearances in TV shows and all that and everything. But she was never really, like, the center stage. Right. And, and he's s- done that for a few people. Oh, yeah. Uh, Robert Forrester. Yep. Um, and Jackie Brown as well. Uh, David Carradine yep. in Kill Bill. And John Travolta. John Travolta. Pulp, yeah, yeah. Fiction. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he takes people that you wouldn't normally think you would see in certain roles, mm-hmm. puts them in it, and somehow they, they kill it. Oh, yeah. And it has a lot to do with his direction, you know? Mm-hmm. And he also made a black, uh, a modern-day black exploitation film in Django. Oh, Django and Chain, Django, yeah. yeah. Django, oh, Django and Chain is the modern day black exploitation film, in my opinion. Oh, it totally is. Well, it is a it is a combination of like, um, you know, the uh, revenge uh, black exploitation films as well as the western. Yep. And honestly, Django and Chain is one of my absolute favorites because finally, in a mainstream film about slavery, you see the slave kicking ass. Yep. My my thing is with that movie, um, Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's his name? Uh, not Eddie Griffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little black pimp dude. Oh, God. Why can't oh, I remember Cat, Cat Williams? Yeah. yeah. They all bitched about him dropping the N-word so many times in the movie. Yeah. I was like, they just mad because, well, Spike Lee's mad because Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. created a black hero 
bigger and more iconic than he ever did. Yeah. You know, he, he, he makes, he makes, and I think a lot of it had to do because his first couple of films were kind of vanity projects for himself because he put himself in all of the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, when he started, was it Mars, uh, Mars Davis or whatever? No, it was? Uh, Mars Blackman. Mars Blackman. Yeah. You know, he put it in there just to, you know, ego boost himself. Mm-hmm. Where Quentin puts himself sometimes in his movies, but it's like mm-hmm. very small parts and they're usually really good mm-hmm. uh what my my takeaway from that from Django was he, mm-hmm. he, the they were mad because he dropped the n-word so many times in the movie mm-hmm. but fun fact if you watch if you go back and watch it quentin tarantino is the only one that doesn't say it yeah he, he doesn't say it when he has the australian character at the end of the mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. he doesn't say it yeah he, he never says it once uh well you know uh well spike and quentin always had beef with each other like yeah. way before this and everything hell i mean like they even had it they even like immortalized it in a episode of celebrity death match and everything <laughs> Did they? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah but um my just thing like, just, was with, my thing was with Quentin. Yeah. He's a great director. Period. Yeah. He's a great storyteller. Doesn't yeah. matter what genre, what color they are. He mm-hmm. he just kills it. Yeah, he's but a man on his own. Honestly, I'm neutral when it comes to their um their feud and everything because I see both their points and everything. Right. Um. And I I I, I do see where like uh, Spike is coming from and everything. Um. No, I get yeah. it. I know yeah, I yeah, understand yeah. it, yeah, but yeah. don't hate on the guy. Right. You know, mm-hmm. learn from him. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, honestly, Spike Lee film. Mm-hmm. You're gonna laugh at this. The mm-hmm. inside man i loved inside man yeah that's yeah, my yeah. favorite spike lee movie oh it's a great one yeah. yeah yeah but no um but yeah but you know with um with that like i see that like um django and chain going back right. to it um there's this, okay so there's a scene from uh f- what do you call it knocked up where seth rogan and his and his uh friends and everything mm-hmm. are talking about that movie you remember that movie munich yes so there's the, with uh, Ben Affleck. No, no uh, Eric Bana. Eric Bana about the uh, Munich bomb yeah, yeah, yeah. terrorist. Um, yeah, the yeah. Olympics. Terror. Olympics, yeah. yeah. And so um, Seth Rogen goes, "You know what movie that's gonna? You know that was so fucking badass, Munich. You know, finally the Jews are becoming the ones that are kicking ass. Like all those other movies, like they're always getting shit on, but yeah. we're the ones that are finally capping motherfuckers. Munich <laughs> is gonna help Jews get laid, and so <laughs> yeah." <laughs> So I so that's how I actually saw Django yeah. because in um in Hollywood films whenever they have movies in like during the slave era mm-hmm. the slaves are always getting beat up yeah. they're always getting killed beaten raped well, whatever stereotype yes master yeah yeah you know? So we finally get to see a slave breaking his shackles and fighting against his, his oppressors to right. save his wife, and so that's why I that's why I love Django because finally it was a move it was a, sl- a slavery movie that is is not like you know Oscar Fap or anything right. for the uh, the elite well, it and was, everything. You know what's funny? Like uh, Stephen in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, he was a rat. Yeah, uh, but if you notice when he's in front of other white people, he talks to Mister Candy like, "Yeah, master, yeah. I do what you want." But then when they're yeah. alone, yeah. he's like, "Listen, motherfucker!" It's yeah. like it's a total. It's like this motherfucker is fake as fuck. Oh yeah, like you know, it, it was. And a lot of people don't take that away from that character. If you look at it, he's he's one way when him and Candy are alone. Yeah, but then when he's in front of other white people, he acts different. Oh, absolutely, you know, it's a absolutely. whole cover. Absolutely, but um, but yeah. So um, because I'm gonna straight up say I fucking hate Oscar, like you know, slavery, Oscar, Oscar bait movies. movies. Yeah. No, I I hate it because you mean um, like the whale? You no, know, the the whale. The whale with Brendan Fraser. 
No, 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 no. I'm not talking about like Oscar bait, like in general. Oh, like I'm talking about sorry. like slave movies God, used as oh, Oscar bait. Movies. I thought you said so, Oscar bait. Oh, you it, mean like was it Twelve Years a Slave? Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. Uh, fucking uh, the Butler and all that. The help. I, the help. I I can't stand those movies because they always it's like the it's like the white savior right but also it, again they keep showing us in fucking shackles right like they'll show us they'll 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 be quick to make movies about our hardships than our excellence like for example they made another movie about emmett till you know how many times do we have to be ex, you know have yeah. that tragedy in our face again no you're right yeah so that's why i appreciate folks like you know spike lee and quentin tarantino and like all the black artists that was that would show black excellence right. and you know? for for i don't want to say yeah for for about the same thing as like guys like tyler perry mm-hmm. uh there's people in the black community can take or leave tyler perry he's a very polarizing figure he is uh but he does something that nobody else does I mean, he used his mainstream influence to mm-hmm. further the black community because he created his own movie studio where mm-hmm. young black creators can yeah. go and, and make their movies. Yeah, um, I see um, Tyler Perry as like again, like um, I'm neutral when it comes to him and everything. Right. On one hand, I do appreciate um, his hustle, yeah. and if you know his story, like you know, being homeless oh, in a car yeah. and everything, right. and then becoming like one of the biggest um, filmmakers. I respect that hustle. Yeah. I respect the fact that he created a studio for black artists to like, you know, um, uh, to like flourish. Yep. I Fun. can't fucking stand the the, the <laughs> Medea movies. movies? No, because it is like you know, Spike oh, Lee my. said that it was coonery and buffoonery, and yeah. he is right. Yeah. And everything. Oh my lord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, fun fact: Do you know he played the same character that Morgan Freeman did? Oh yeah, Alex Cross. Yeah, yeah. And I think people didn't take him serious in that movie because he's Medea. Yeah. yeah, and also Matthew Fox was supposed to be like the main villain. Yeah. I was like, okay, get he out of here, he, fucking he kind, Party of Five. Party of Five. <laughs> he kind, he kind of uh, handcuffed himself yeah. into a, or he painted himself into a corner. I think with Medea. Yeah. Uh, because nobody could take him seriously in any other role mm-hmm. because of that. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, but like, you know, regardless, I mean, like, you know, they are still like, you know, giving like a black, uh, you know, black artist opportunity. Like I said, I give him props for doing what he did. Oh, yeah. See, I don't hate the player. Hate the game. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen dudes that, you know, like, for example, people who are social media influencers. Mm -hmm. I can't stand them myself. Yeah. But. You know, yeah. I gotta give them props for taking like limited talent and creating a you oh, know, yeah, yeah. something out of it. Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and it's always, you know, honestly, it's always been like that, like for years and everything. Oh, you know, absolutely. like oh, like you know, this like the entertainment industry has always been built on clout chasing. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. But like, yeah. That, that one kid, uh, they blew up on Nickelodeon because he had a YouTube channel. Doug, mm-hmm. was it Doug? Yeah. The kid with the high pitched voice that John Cena played his. Oh no, Fred. 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 Yeah. I thought it was fucking stupid and annoying but somehow yeah. he made it fucking work yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like okay right right or, but, yeah. but going back to the movies dude mm-hmm. i mean there's uh there's certain terms that came out of mm-hmm. the the genre that people still use to this day like mm-hmm. cool breeze yeah you know solid sh- solid mm-hmm. you know, show enough yeah show enough yeah um, speaking but of no, show enough that's yeah. a, that's an 80s i think yeah yeah like, it's the last dragon movie. absolutely last dragon. and that, that was a mix of like uh and that was like i always saw the last dragon as like a homage to like you know um the, um, black people's love of cinema. Yeah, Black Bell Jones. But yeah, you know, like martial arts cinema and uh, soul cinema. Yep. And of course the music. Oh, that's another thing we have to. T- you know, we oh, can't. Dude, we we can't skip about, on. Yeah. 
the music that came out of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had a lot of like, you know, great talents like Isaac Hayes, you know, yeah. creating like, you know, the theme of Shaft or composing the soundtrack to Shaft. Yep. And of course, Curtis Mayfield yep. with his work on Superfly. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of, and, and, and was it, uh, Isaac Hayes not only, uh, uh, made the music, but he mm. also starred in like movies too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like uh, he started was it Dolomite? Um, no, that wasn't him. But he he had a couple of movies himself. Yeah. No, speaking, I, remember I said they they take him back. Um, some of the, the phrases that were used as derogatory. Mm -hmm. There was a movie called The Spook Who Sat by the Door. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> so it was just them going, oh, yeah, well, if you're going to call us that, we're going to lean into See, it. See, and, and that was great. I said, that was another thing I loved about black exploitation movies were the mm -hmm. titles. The titles were irreverent. Yeah. And they were in your face. Yeah. And they made my favorites had to be Black Belt Jones, too. I remember that one. Black Belt Jones was fucking dope. Jim Kelly, baby. Absolutely. And uh, Three the Hard Way. Like, yeah. Um, but you were saying yeah, about, yeah, yeah they, they leaned into it and started to take it. That's, that's why they were playing stereotype characters oh, like I'm pimps sorry. and all that. Truck Turner. That was Truck Turner. With I, that was with like Isaac, Isaac Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. But we, uh, they, they were took back mm -hmm. not only the language, but they were taking back the stereotypes. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was a pimp, but he was a hero. Yeah. You know, he could help, he could still help people. Well, it was like, uh, you know, it was like our version of Al Capone. Yeah. You know, he was a criminal, but he was about the people. Yep. You and, know, and going into pop culture, how it influenced pop culture back in the mm -hmm. late 60s. Well, back in the late, well, in the 60s, mm -hmm. uh, Stanley at Marvel yeah. uh, started, he wanted to create a strong black hero mm -hmm. and they created Black Panther. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately at the time between them and DC comics and comics in general mm -hmm. were black this, black lat, black yeah. lightning, mm -hmm. you know, black kung fu, you know, and everything they had to put well they said, dude, we know he black. You yeah. gotta tell us. <laughs> I yeah. could see what he looks like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until one of your favorites mm -hmm. uh they did drop the black label on a character. Uh and I think he had a lot to do with the black exploitation movement because mm -hmm. he had a giant afro he had a uh, a low cut shirt all the way down to his navel, and you know who I'm talking about. We're talking about Luke Cage. Blade. No, Blade. Well, no, you no. said you said low cut shirt. Well, no, so yeah. did Blade. The first well, no, Blade well, the first Blade. He actually had like a a jacket. You're, like it was like it was uh, a, yeah, yeah, it was like a leather jacket. Yeah, and everything. all I know is that the brother had on a green shirt with a giant collar. Yeah, and I believe he predates Luke Cage. Uh, uh, Blade. I know that Blade it, it came was, out in '74. Right. Um, and Luke Cage, I think, came on after that. Uh, Luke Cage's first appearance, and it was oh, actually he came before Blade. Oh, okay, well, uh, he, Luke okay. Cage, My Hero bad. for Hire, number one, nineteen seventy-two. Yeah. So then he was the very first character that he dropped the black from. Oh, it. it's actually a Falcon. And what? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Never mind. I gotta relearn. But, okay, but, 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 the, but the but the point, <laughs> but is, the point is, is that Marvel started doing it, and they stopped dropping that, and they started making strong because yeah. in Falcon's origin, his yeah. original origin, not mm -hmm. the re booted one yeah uh he played a, pan a drug dealer yeah a drug dealer who became a hero mm -hmm. and i forgot i think his name was smack something or other uh, he had a weird ass mm -hmm. uh name a street name as they say yeah and then luke cage mm -hmm. yeah he was also a, he was in he was in jail yeah and not like on the show where he was wrongly convicted no he was a criminal yeah, and yeah. he turned himself into a hero yeah uh, but but yeah Mar yeah. yeah marvel was definitely like 70s marvel was definitely like you know influenced, influenced. by oh, yeah. by the movie 
movies of like the time Kung and everything. Black movies, like black exploitation movies, yeah, yeah. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, Iron Fist and everything. Yep. Like honestly, Marvel in the seventies I feel like was one of the, the dopest decades of the uh, oh, of the company. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, but no, but like um but yeah, Luke Cage and actually his show, his Netflix show, Luke Cage had that very like black exploitation vibe to it. No, with the, the music show hasn't come out yet. Well, Luke Cage? About, no. Oh, oh, Luke Cage. I'm sorry. Luke Cage, I thought you yeah. said Blade. No, 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 no. Uh, Luke Cage. Oh, no, yeah. It yeah, did. yeah. It, it did, yeah. Music. Absolutely. It had the funk music. It had the, it had like the, the mood. And of course, it had him like, you know, like romancing the ladies and everything. Yep. But no, like, uh, but yeah, so Luke Cage was definitely like that Superfly. He was basically a superhero version of Superfly and Dolomite. Yeah. When yeah. They, yeah. What they did, they took the black exploitation films and modernized them mm-hmm. because if you look at it uh it was yeah it was like a black exploitation film he was a kid from the neighborhood that came yeah. up and he made something to himself mm-hmm. well no he went to prison but he came on and started doing something different with himself just like a dolomite yep yeah dude my favorite part of the series is when he mm-hmm. uh <laughs> he somehow accidentally ended up with the costume from the 70s oh it was a flashback to when he was in prison yeah and he was breaking out of prison it, yeah and he breaks out he's got the the yellow shirt on with the yeah. cuffs and i was like <laughs> sweet christmas and he, and he says like I look like a damn fool. fool. Yeah. yeah. I always wait for him to say sweet Christmas, and he did, and he yep. didn't disappoint. So um, and, uh, we got definitely have to uh, talk about Blade as well, because yeah. Blade was like, he was definitely a response to not only uh, the horror uh, side of black exploitation, because right. he was like Marvel's version of Blackula. Yep. And originally, he um, he was just a human that could like sense vampires. Right. And then they retconned him to where he was a damn fear and everything. Yeah, he was... Uh, his mother was attacked by Dracula as she was giving birth and, appa- and apparently passed something on to him. Yeah. Like, all of the strengths, none of the weaknesses. Yeah. So, like, uh, basically, um, the original story was, like, her, she was a prostitute right. in a Soho house in London. And the doctor that was delivering her baby just so happened to be the vampire Deacon Frost. Right. And uh, bit her and everything. And the enzymes traveled to Blade. Didn't make him a half half vampire half human it just no, made him like a sense day, a day walker yeah. yeah but then um they were conned to where like he is actually half vampire half human and what have you so but yeah but no like uh blade was like groundbreaking in that with Absolutely. like a, like um a black vampire hunter right. and like and not only that like a half vampire because again like you know a, like a lot of like you know would that make him a hamper <laughs> right uh... and, but also like Flashing forward to the '90s, where the first Blade movie came out, right, and it definitely had that black exploitation vibe mixed in with like the horror elements, as well as like the Hong Kong elements. Wait, as well. I thought X Men was the first comic book adaptation that made. Oh, see, popular. that's what they want you to think. <laughs> that's what Hollywood wants you. To that's think. what Hollywood wants you to think. Yeah. Hollywood likes to gaslight folks. No, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's because Blade wasn't known to have been a comic book adaptation yeah you know just like people didn't know the crew was a comic book adaptation mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of films that were comic book adaptation we can go into a whole thing about yeah, that, yeah. where people didn't realize just like uh mm-hmm. the history of violence the yep, it was a graphic yeah. novel yeah yep yeah so but yeah so the black exploitation films has to this day mm-hmm. still influenced a lot of things that are going on mm-hmm. i mean it influenced i think in my opinion a lot of music too even in the 80s mm-hmm. i mean wu-tang clan uh when they first started well they were in the early 90s mm-hmm. They were influenced not only by the kung fu movies of the seventies, but also mm-hmm. by black exploitation. Absolutely, um, yeah. Uh, we also mentioned, um, you know, a lot of hip hop artists um, like Outkast, uh, Coolio. Um, what was it? The NWA. Um, pretty much like um, it was just like the music, because like a lot of the artists, like a lot of these musical artists, were like you know they grew up on those movies, right? And so of course like their music is going to reflect their upbringing. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so. 
Um, I remember what was it? But yeah, like you know the the uh, what do you call it? The like the, the song that definitely like captures black exploitation is uh, what do you call it? It's like Players Ball yeah. by Outkast. You know, when you look at the lyrics, you know, it's just like you picture Superfly, you picture Dolomite, you know, just like, you know, strutting and everything. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's just amazing, like how much like it, it's a uh, it's influence yeah, well, on people, everybody. Yeah, just people don't realize it because oh, no. uh, they a lot of people aren't. Um, I, I don't know, exposed to it. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people, a lot, especially the new like the gen zers yeah they're not exposed to it as much as you know uh the gen x was yeah. like myself mm -hmm. uh millennials like yourself they yeah. were more exposed to it yeah and i think that falls back onto people like you and me yeah uh to to show them that you know? absolutely so like there's like um like there's like these group of artists that like you know that definitely like uh what do you call it adapted like the pimp persona from the movies yeah. uh snoop dogg of course, especially during his um his time when he was like uh with the um, No Limit label, yep. it was definitely like his like his uh pimp yeah, persona. Yeah, let's take it a little bit further back. The king pimp himself, yeah, Ice T. Ice T. Yup. He um what was it called? Um, Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane. Slick Rick. Uh, Slick T Short. Rick the ruler. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like um, yeah, didn't he? Snoop Dogg even had a sidekick for a while. That was oh like, the yeah. Grant. Oh the Grant. Uh, Bishop Grant, uh, Don Magic Juan. Yeah, Don Magic Juan. Yeah, yeah dude, that. he was he was basically his uh, Farnsworth. And he carried and he carried around yeah Snoop's pimp cup. Yeah, the the, the chalice <laughs> yeah, and everything. The chalice, yeah, uh, and so people and people think that they're mocking like the black community. No, it's it's leaning into it. Yeah, it's like well, if you're gonna say that I'm that way, I'm mm -hmm. just gonna do it and make you look stupid. Oh, absolutely. Along the way. And but they yeah. did that. And, you know, so it's like, why would we feel embarrassed by it? Like, this was our culture. Like, yeah. this was, like, uh, what we grew up on. So we ain't ashamed, you know? Nope. But, no, like, Don Magic Wand, like, uh, he, he, was a, he was a character, like, you know, he was a former pimp turned preacher, yep. pimp, hip-hop personality, and a fashion designer. So, in a way, he is, like, a real-life version of, like, Superfly, yep. where he started out, like, in crime, like, doing, like, you know, illegal acts, but then, like, rose above it and became, like, an icon. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know who is another character that was influenced by the black exploitation that we didn't bring up? Mm. Um, Beyonce. She in her. Uh, oh in, yeah. In, in Austin Powers, who was Fox, Foxy, Foxy Cleopatra? Cleopatra. Yeah. I'm a whole lot of woman. Mm -hmm. yeah, she was definitely, and she was supposedly had been from the '70s, and that's why. But yeah, yeah. she was definitely influenced by mm. the black exploitation. And of course, we have to talk about the uh, rapper Foxy Brown. I mean, it's in her name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we continue, let's go ahead and take another quick break, and we'll mm. be right back. And we're back. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. So we were talking about black exploitation films. Well, we're continuing to talk about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we said where Foxy Brown and uh, others got their uh, their their influence. Well, yeah, it's mm -hmm. in her name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because it's like you said, it's a big part of the culture of growing up in a black community. Now, my, I myself grew up in a black and Latino community, so mm -hmm. I was exposed to the best of both worlds. I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but uh, the only it, going into TV for a second, even yeah. in the 70s, they leaned into it also. Mm -hmm. They didn't make shows really about it, but black exploitation did influence a lot of shows from the 70s as far as like what's happening, mm -hmm. uh, good times, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Mama, Mom, no, yep. Mama, uh, no, 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 there was another one, I can't remember the name of it, 
damn it, but that's my mama. That's my mama. Yeah, yeah. That was another one, mm-hmm. and they were all influenced by the black exploitation movement. Right. But also was a character on one of my favorite TV shows growing up, mm-hmm. Starsky and Hutch. Oh, oh, Huggy, Huggy Bear. Bear, Antonio Fargas, yeah, who was, was also in that episode of Martin as well. He was competing against Jerome yeah, in the that, player in the player hater. <laughs> well, I mean, not the player haters, but the players ball like contest. He was also in the first movie you brought up too. Mm-hmm. He was in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Yep. Remember, he came out of prison, had the goldfish in his shoes. Oh yeah, yeah. dude, that scene was. <laughs> fucking hilarious yeah. man yeah. <laughs> and it breaks when he's trying to do his pimp yeah, I yeah. Love I, you ain't heard it from me the yeah. word on the street is he's on the street yeah but no yeah. but yeah but no like a uh, tv definitely was like um you know a big like you know um homage to black exploitation oh, because because you had like episodes like martin fresh prince yep. Um, no, but I also, mean shows that were actually influenced by them, not not yeah. just episodes, but like the whole like well, what's happening and good times mm-hmm. showed people who were in a struggle, but yet they were still positive. Oh, you know, I have to say, uh, New York Undercover. Yep, New York Undercover was like definitely oh, yeah. like had that uh, black quotation oh, yeah. vibe. Yeah, 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 because the leads were Malik Yoba. Yep, and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael DeLorenzo. Michael DeLorenzo. So you had a black man and a Puerto Rican as leads. Yep, and their yeah. lieutenant was Puerto Rican, which is hard. No, to oh, oh, no, no, it was the, a white. Woman. It was a white woman. I, th- I think she was. Woman. She was a white Irish woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She you know, she was in the Sopranos. I think she yeah, was. She, she was, was that one mob boss. The yeah. mafia boss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, but uh, but yeah. So that show would definitely like inspired by black exploitation with the whole mood and, and of course the music. Like the thing about black exploitation, like we mentioned, that music right. is a major major part because oh, as you know, was. music is a window into the times. And so, um, and of course, like, you know, you had like, um, some icons of black exploitation do guest spots, Richard Roundtree, yep. Pam Greer, Ice-T, yep. um, uh, and I think Antonio Fargas did a guest spot on there as well and everything. Antonio Fargas did a guest spot on every show. Well, see, and that was, that was, <laughs> that was like during that time of his career and everything where it was like, um, he was kind of like, I saw him as like the black William Shatner yeah. where there was like a camp to his past career, but he embraced it. You know, right? But yeah, but um, what was another one? Um, uh, there, there are so yeah. many. to list. Yeah. Um, what, real quick side note. Now that mm-hmm. we're bringing up, do you know? Uh, I found out something today. Mm-hmm. I was today years old when I found out that Sammy Davis Jr. was actually half Cuban. Oh, for real? His mama was Cuban. Really? Yeah. And huh. then even black Cuban, she was white Cuban. So he, yeah. So he would. He goes. He said he was like a triple threat mm-hmm. of. Uh, for Hollywood, he was mm-hmm. uh, a black Jewish half Latino. <laughs> uh, like they, their heads fucking blew up. All he had to do was be gay, and they would have just died. <laughs> but yeah, I I learned that. I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. Right. He used to tell people he was half Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. but he was actually half Cuban. His mama was Cuban. Interesting. But anyway, yeah. But yeah. I mean, the black exploitation films, I think everybody should give them a chance and go out there and watch them. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the thing is, is that we live in a time where all movies are accessible now. Like oh, all much, the, yeah. out, the the ones who are out of print or never got distribution. Yep. You can go online and put in, you know, uh, what's it called? Black Mama, White Mama, full movie. Yeah. And you can find a link to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, now that Richard Roundtree passed away, it's going to bring to the... Uh, the mm-hmm. forefront a lot of people and they're probably going to put them out there more i mean for all you know the netflix is going to have like a black exploitation uh genre mm-hmm. sub 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 uh sub search yeah uh, maybe hulu will because that's yeah. what they do and, you yeah. know at the moment when they feel like people are in the emotion of it they'll mm-hmm. go ahead and then uh, put that out there absolutely now real quick uh, before i let you wrap up mm-hmm. i'm going to read to you the uh the british 
the British Film Institute. Mm -hmm. They're top ten black exploitation films. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to watch them, here they would be. Mm -hmm. um, sweet, sweet back. Uh, then there is Sweet, Sweet Back's badass song, mm -hmm. of course, because the one that started it all. It had actually had an X rating on its release. Oh, it did because well, again, unsimulated, unsimulated sex. sex. Yeah. Uh, there was Shaft, uh, Superfly mm -hmm. is uh, they included in there. Trick Baby. Mm. And let me see, Kofi. Oh, coffee. Coffee, yeah. 1973. Yep, yep. Yeah, with Pam Gr again with Pam Grant. And that was a major influence on Kill Bill as well, yep. like the vengeful, like yep. a female hero. Yep. Uh, Ganja and Hess. Mm -hmm. Three the hard way. Of course. Yeah. The Education of Sonny Carson. Coonskin, mm -hmm. which is actually an animated movie. Ralph Baskey. Yep. Yeah. Which is an animated movie. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also Penitentiary, which mm -hmm. I remember watching. Yeah. Uh, then there was. Oh, that's it. That's their top ten. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I forgot about Penitentiary, but yeah, that was actually yeah. a really good one as well. Yeah. I mean, of course, you want to throw in their Shaft, Dolomite, Foxy Brown. Mm -hmm. uh, you definitely want to watch those. Cleopatra Jones. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah with uh, Tim, uh, with uh, Tim, I think her name was uh, Tamara Jacobs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. If you watch those movies, Quentin Tarantino movies are going to take a whole different meaning to you. Absolutely. That you're going to see them and go, Oh, now I get that. So, because yep. a lot of his shit is so obscure that he mm -hmm. puts into movies that a mm -hmm. lot of people don't get the references because they weren't uh, exposed to that culture. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Cotton comes to Harlem. Yep. Uh, hell, hell, up in Harlem. So, uh, Superfly TNT. Yep. yep. There was one with Richard Pryor. Why can't I remember the name of it right uh, now? Uptown Saturday Uptown Night. Uptown Saturday Night. Yeah. That was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And throw in their 10 speed and gumshoe. I yeah. think that would be cool to watch too. You know what? I'm actually going to. I'm going to say a title that is actually in the spirit of black exploitation, and you might think I'm crazy. I'm gonna I say, already know you're crazy. But... I'm going to say, well, hanging out with you. Who, uh -huh. yeah. God of War. Wait. Kratos. Shut up. I'm going to say why. Because one of the, one of the biggest story um, plot points of black exploitation is revenge. You know, fighting against the man. That's exactly what Kratos does. He gets fucked over by the man, a.k.a. Zeus. Yeah. He comes back. And he wreaks havoc, and he has, and not only is he, uh, he has like this um, black exploitation hero swagger to him, yeah. And you know he's sexing up the ladies, Aphrodite right. and all that and everything. Um, he's voiced by T. C. Carlson, right. And when you look at it, it's pretty much like the Greek version of black exploitation. Like if black exploitation yeah. did their own version of like Hercules comes to New York, it'd be that. that. Okay. Yeah. And real quick, just to correct myself, because I've been saying it wrong the mm. whole day. I remembered it wrong. It's mm. actually 10 speed and brown shoe. Okay. Uh, and it was a TV series starring Ben Vereen, mm. you know, Oh, Ben Reed, Chicken Dead George. Reed. Yeah, yeah, Chicken George, and he yep. was also Will Smith's dad. Yep. Deadbeat motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Shaft. Shaft yep. actually had a uh, a short-lived uh, TV adaptation. Yeah, by ben yeah. And played Ben Vereen, played Shaft? No, uh, oh. Richard Roundtree played him. Because nobody else could play Shaft. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. And guess who Guess who starred with him in 10 Speed and Brown Shoe? Mm. A young Jeff Goldblum. Ah, uh, yes. Who will love, love Jeff Goldblum? Right. Yeah. See, you know, it's funny is that like a lot of like, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. um, I'm going to get you sucker uh, brought up the fact that a lot of like these established white actors mm -hmm. would find themselves in black exploitation movies. Oh, absolutely. Like uh, the main villain of uh, I'm going to get you sucker was uh, John Vernon. Yeah. And I believe he was like, uh, he was best known in a uh, network, wasn't he? Yes. Yep. And then they actually had a uh, scene where it's like, wait, why are you shocked that I'm playing like Mr. Big? We all like yeah. all all like uh, white established actors yeah. are in black exploitation movies. Uh, Shirley Winters yeah. and <laughs> it wasn't the wasn't the quote unquote villain 
or the man, as mm-hmm. they say, in uh, Undercover Brother, mm-hmm. the same dude that played the dean in uh, Animal House. Well, they never showed him. Oh, they never showed. The they man? never showed the oh. man. Um, Wait, so they did him like a like doctor? What was it, doctor? Not doctor. Do, uh, no, Doctor Claw Dr. from Claw. Inspector Gadget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They just showed his hand and his yeah. cat. <laughs> yep uh but no uh, undercover oh man undercover brother yeah that is that is that is a great one as well I, and absolutely yeah. i and like i said recently they kind of have made a i don't want to say comeback but there's mm-hmm. been a couple like the one i said with michael jow white which oh also, black dynamite black dynamite which also yeah. got its own animation like, oh yeah. yeah and i believe it was like um created by the same folks by the same studio who did boondocks yeah Oh, that's another thing. Boondocks was definitely inspired by black exploitation with the character of um, Bushido Brown, oh, yeah. who's supposed to be a parody of um, Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly. He had the yeah. fro, the shades, and everything. Who was also voiced by um, what's his face, um, Michael Jai White. Well, don't forget Afro Samurai. Oh, of course, Afro Samurai is definitely a yeah. black exploitation anime. I, uh, love, I love the fact that all of the streaming networks put in their anime. Yeah, I love that. Oh, totally. <laughs> and they're gonna and they're gonna and and there's gonna be some people that say black people into anime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you just do the whole uh, what was the, the Will Smith the look Will at my Smith, yeah? yeah oh, that thing. oh that meme did not age well. Oh no, no. But no, um, but yeah, yeah, Afro Samurai. I was actually gonna bring that up. Um, was definitely um, inspired by black exploitation because the creator of it um, right uh, was a, a huge fan of the. Uh, um, black exploitation movies, and he's a Japanese man. Really? So that's oh yeah. Um, so technically, then it is an anime. It is because um, the, the creator be, is yeah. Japanese. Uh, Takashi Okazaki was yep. the uh, the artist, the creator of it, and he was um, he, he's inspired by his love of soul and hip hop music mm-hmm. and black exploitation movies. And see, you know, and that's the thing is like you know that was what well, I was going to bring this up. But that was the great thing about the genre was mm-hmm. that not only did it empower black communities. It empowered Asian communities and empowered, and empowered right. like um, Hispanic communities yeah. because it showed that people of color have a chance to like you know make it in Hollywood. We can be heroes and we speak English. We can be, exactly <laughs> that part. We can be heroes. We can be heroes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, who's to know? Without yeah. black exploitation movie, maybe there would be no Bruce Lee movies. Uh, I, you know, honestly, honestly, I believe that Bruce Lee like owes a lot to the black community That's as well right. because of the Grindhouse movies and like a lot of his um, biggest fans well, were like hip hop yeah, artists and well, everything. Well, not yeah. only that, before that, like mm-hmm. you like you said, before this black exploitation movie, you think you a uh, movement? Do you think you would see a Asian? american be the lead in a movie hell no no and no they would they would be the cook in the westerns going me and macadino you know and they, they hell they wouldn't even get a a, a role at all because no. remember like kung fu was like started by a white guy pretending to be chinese yeah, yeah well according to the bruce lee movie dragon they said he was too chinese yeah. to play chinese right you know, like that stuff reminded me of ralphie may when he said they told me i had to lose weight to play a fat guy oh like and that's some shit i'm too fat to, to play, play fat, fat. <laughs> But it, I mean, and it's true because it, think about it, it. Bruce Lee, his movies probably started coming out about the same time that black exploitation. It, it, it actually has, out. yeah, and, go, yeah, and yeah. it definitely did help that Jim Kelly was part of Enter the Dragon. Yeah, and because before that, he he played a, a, a manservant to a white guy that was a, a quote unquote hero that couldn't fight. And honestly, he uh, what was the guy? You know, that's funny because like Bruce, you know, he totally outshone uh, 
The Green Hornet. I even yeah. forgot the guy who played Green Hornet. I don't even know. Who Hell, was. who cares? In Asia, it's known as the Kato Show. Yeah, of course it is. Oh no, I bought that back in the day in New York, bootleg, yeah. and it was saying the Kato Show. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it was. Oh, and they had an episode. Apparently, supposedly, this, I don't know if it's an urban legend. I've never seen it. Mm. There's a crossover episode with Batman, the yeah. one with Adam West, mm. and apparently Burt Ward beats up Kato. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, which world is this? Okay, I remember Burt Ward <laughs> used to flex about that and everything. Yeah. He's like, yeah, like you know, I took it to bruce and everything i was like okay son bro that's like that's like hulk when hulk hogan brags that he won the world title I was like calm down bro they right. read that <laughs> like, you read a script but, yeah. the fuck out. but you know um but going back to afro samurai real quick yeah. do you know what was like the ultimate like um black exploitation moment mm-hmm. other than him you know banging the you know the thick asian girl <laughs> go on um was the f- very first episode where um you see him fight for the first time right and you know, see all these mercenaries hired to get that number two headband from him um uh afro goes in his fighting stance mm-hmm. and the leader of the mercenary says i put both hands on that side if i was you punk ass motherfucker <laughs> and i was like oh my god that is some huggy bear shit yeah. right there hey <laughs> speaking of it how come you ain't never cosplayed afro samurai i have have you yeah no, i'm really saying that well this is before i met you oh, i had okay. a life before you you did? Yeah. Oh, man. It's <laughs> odd to hear. Right. <laughs> no. But Everybody's was, an NPC in the world of Gustav. I mean, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, For being right. <clears throat> anyway. So, the, the thing is that uh, it, it has influenced a lot of things. Uh, it did open the door for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's just, I honestly, my I'd like to see it come back. I Absolutely. Mean, I, don't know. I just, I'd like to see movies like that come back. I would love to see a streaming service just for black exploitation films. Oh man, could you imagine? Oh totally. I mean, there's over 200 movies. Uh, Called Soul Flicks. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. We need to get started yeah. on that. Soul Flicks. Soul Flicks. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you heard it here first. Copywritten Minorities Report 2023. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that'd be cool to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that some streaming network like Tubi, because honestly, we were on Tubi and we watched the most obscure horror movies by, uh, yep. what's his name? The dude, uh, da Argento. Oh, Dario Argento? Yeah, they have yeah. almost all his movies on yeah. fucking Tubi. Yeah. So, I was watching uh, Tubi as well because I was showing my girl uh, Drive, uh, with Mark, not the Ryan Gosling one, but with uh, Mark Dacascos and oh, Kadeem okay. yeah, Hardison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh shit, that's a name for the past. Oh, yeah, Kadeem yeah. Hardison. Yep, yep. AKA Dwayne uh, Wade. Uh, hey, Dwayne hey, hey. Wade. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, no. That no, that's was, a, that was Dwayne from What's Happening. Yeah, that was that was rerun. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. That was that was Dwayne. Hey, 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 hey. That was. That was oh Dwayne. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 No rerun. Oh yeah. God, Fred Berry. May he rest in peace. Dude, he changed his name to rerun. Well, you might as well. It was Fred, like it was Fred rerun Berry. Everybody was going to see him as rerun. He might as well become rerun. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, unfortunately, yeah, he got kind of typecast into that role, mm-hmm. and. It was, I watched, I grew up watching that show, Mm -hmm. and it was so great to see Mm -hmm. an all-minority cast, just like, uh, just like uh, Good Times. Oh, yeah. Good Times was one of my favorite shows because Mm -hmm. it was actually, it was actually Mm -hmm. funny, and it was a all-minority cast. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, the only, like, Puerto Ricans you would see on Mm -hmm. TV in the 70s were all stereotypes, and none of us apparently spoke English well. Yeah. Because everybody was like, look, go. That was See, fucking Freddie Prince. Yeah. You know, God rest his soul, but Chico and the Man. Yeah. He was 
first of all, this is a half Jewish Puerto Rican kid, mm. and it, so he was obviously American, but he had to talk like this on the show. Mm. And then the dude from Sanford, his son, who's also a Puerto Rican, but he's a, a very oh, American. What's his face? Hector uh, Hector, Hector something. But yeah. he he's a he was a character actor as well. Yep. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, because he also was on Barney Miller. Yeah. Uh, but he was a next door neighbor on Fr- uh, Sanford, his son. Mm-hmm. And he had a shaking. He had a shake and he thought like that. Made all time for. Okay, so I was like, God damn it, man! We uh, don't all talk like that, right? So I'm glad that you brought him up. Oh, it was, I'm sorry, it was uh, Gregory C- uh, Sierra. Yeah, look at that. He had a he had a, a Caucasian first name, Gregory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so you're gonna so, tell me that he talked like this? So I'm gonna so way to like bring it full circle yeah. because he was actually in a um, another movie by Keen Ivor Reigns. That's another love letter to black exploitation, right? A low down dirty shame. Load, oh, dude. Yes, I, I love I so that, that fucking movie. movie so much. Yeah, with a young Jada Pinkett before she went all. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, uh, but no, you had <laughs> Keen Ivory Wayans in the uh, as writer director. Yeah. Um, it was like basically like a ser- more like comedic, still comedic, but a more serious like a. Uh, I'm gonna get you, sucker. Because yeah, you it was, it, yeah. You know what it also reminded me of mm-hmm. when speaking of black uh, black Blaxploit, uh, in other media mm-hmm. uh, when. Uh, DC Comics came out with a milestone yeah. uh, icon mm-hmm. and he had the young uh, girl, the young black girl sidekick. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what shame reminded me of. Yeah. Because he was the hero and then he had the, the black sidekick that kept him in line. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but no, it was a it, it was, was a, a total movie. It was I, mean, I love that movie. And oh, and the soundtrack, of course, and everything. But I remember when that movie, uh, when I first watched that movie, I watched yeah. it with my dad, yeah. you know, and I see Key and Ivory Wayans, and I always thought of him as like a com- a comedic actor. Yeah. And so he's putting on the suit, the shades, he's got like the, the long gun and everything. I was like, oh my God, I didn't know this dude was capable of drip. I mean, the dude was like a six foot four, so yeah. I mean, he, he's a big dude. Yeah. I and mean, then a, he's just really funny. But you also had like those character actors from like the genre films and everything. Yeah. Andrew Divoff was the villain. Yeah. Um, he, he's always had an interesting character. He was a, I think he was like a, he's a Russian and Venezuelan, uh, but he's always played like, you know, like, you know, um, like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, races outside of his and everything because he was basically what they call passing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I've heard that a time or eight. You're right. Yeah. No, and, yeah. He was. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of actors that are like that. Yep. Like, what the fuck is Costas Mandalore? <laughs> he's everything. He's yeah. Greek, Italian, well, he's actually, German. He actually he is, is Greek. Greek. Yeah. But he plays every fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same with uh, what's his face? Um, God dang it. Um, mm-hmm. He was in uh, Training Day. Uh, Cliff Curtis. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. And I think he's actually new uh, Maori in real life, but is yeah, he? yeah. But well, and so well, and except for white guy, uh, Giancarlo Esposito's played. I think almost everything too. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but um, but no, like that is like definitely like a very like under overlooked uh, movie. Yep. Um, because yeah, like you know you had such a great cast. Uh, Char- oh, Charles S. Dudden was in there. Yep. Sally Richardson f- still fucking fine as hell to this day <laughs> and everything. Uh, that's um, another show that had a all black cast was Rock. Rock. Speaking of Charles S. Dutton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a great one, too. And it definitely did feel like Cooley High because yeah. it was a uh, coming of uh, age uh, type of show. But, like, you know, what was interesting about that show was that it was di- it was directed and written to be like a stage play because all the actors were stage right. actors. And that's why yeah. they even did a live episode. Yep. Yeah. They, it was also like one of the first um, TV shows to actually show a gay marriage. Uh, yeah. Like, actually, not a gay marriage, but a wedding. 
a wedding. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Golden Girls did too, I think about the same time, but yeah. it, it, well, I think it was an interracial gay couple. So that's mm-hmm. even, that was even more mind blowing for the time. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, but to just to, Bring things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaft again. Going back to Shaft, a lot mm-hmm. of people may have been exposed to the the remake with with uh, with Sam Jackson, Jackson mm-hmm. which, by the way, is a great remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, uh, he's actually in it. Um, Shaft, yeah, yeah. Richard Roundtree, Richard Roundtree as in his it, uncle, as his uncle, which is fucking weird because they're the same age. Like, or like they're like there's only a couple years <laughs> yeah. apart of them. Yeah. But you're gonna tell me that he they're well, uncle and a, nephew. I got a nephew a year older than me. Yeah. <laughs> It happens, bro. Yeah, but no, then they reconned it in the second Shaft movie where his yeah. dad. I was like, oh, so he, yeah. Oh. So you're to mean to tell me that he had Sam Jackson when he was five? I mean, he could technically be his uncle and his dad. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, we we saw that episode of Futurama. Richard Roundtree, you know, yeah. date two sisters. You know, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> He's his uncle and his father. Yeah. yeah. What happens behind closed doors, bro? Right. Don't 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 judge. Shaft. Don't. <laughs> Damn right. right. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. let's go ahead and wrap things up. So, you got anything to say? Uh, well, rest in peace to uh, Richard Roundtree, a, a figure from my childhood. Um, it's it's always tough to see an icon uh, pass, you know. But the impact he made, um, the genre that I've loved since I was a kid, may it you know may it, like live on. And I'm just gonna like you know close it out with the immortal worlds of Don Cornelius, one of the uh, icons of like the soul movement. Uh, love, peace, and soul. Oh, I thought it was uh, peace, love, and applesauce. Yeah. Uh, and well, thank you guys for hanging out with us. And I only have to say is that I hope some director out there uh, makes some new ones because I would love to see another Low Down Dirty Shame, which I hope that had a sequel at the time it came out. I it, really wish it would have. I wish uh, it would have too, man. Yeah. yeah. And, well, I mean, we have. Uh, and we have uh, the Cuba Gooding son. Have you seen, you know who? Have you seen him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know. I'm going to continue. Mm-hmm. Cuba Gooding son that was in the new Scream movies. Mm-hmm. You got him, and then you got uh, uh, Marlon Wayans Jr. So there's people. Oh, out there's there. a new generation. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, again, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Remember to follow us on social media at the Minority Report on uh, Twitter. Fa- oh, no, not Facebook. We don't do Facebook for old people. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Also on TikTok, we have a second account, Minorities Point 2.0, because I always get in trouble on the first one for some reason. Anyway, thank you guys for hanging out with us. And like Jay said, show enough. <laughs> peace, love, and applesauce. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> peace, love, and show. Yeah. Uh, peace, love, and soul. <laughs>